Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Um, this is going to be our last podcast of the Big Wig series, and I think you're going to like who we have today. We have uh, um, a gentleman who is the president of Encompass Insurance, and I've kind of saved him for last because, first of all, I have to admit, and I'm saying I'm sorry, it was a video cast. Him and I recorded it through video. The problem with it was is the video service that I used, which needless to say I'm not going to be using them anymore and I won't badmouth them here, but my video froze up halfway through. So pretty much it's pretty good going along and then it just kind of freezes up. And so it was just not the best quality. It's not what we try to deliver here at Agents Influence. So we've just made it a podcast. I apologize to Tom and his team who set it all up, um, but that's technology. It does, you know, I guess... After doing this for 12 months now, if this is the first time we had a mishap, I guess that's a good thing. But I'm just sorry that it happened with Tom and Enco- at, at Encompass because he was fantastic in what he did. He talks about top-line enablers. He talks about bottom-line enablers. So he looks at social and digital marketing in just a way that we use and, and we project and advertise and brand and create our message out there as looking at it as two different things. And I have to tell you, it's one of those things, again, with the podcast that you don't really hear a lot of people talk about. But he talks about top-line enablers and bottom-line enablers. And he talks about what are the qualities of each and what are the benefits and downfalls of those. So it was really, really interesting how he utilized that. So I just, I want you to listen to this. It was a fantastic podcast. It's from the president of Encompass Insurance. Um, this guy, I've met him personally when I was out in D.C., and he is a riot. And I say that meaning with all due professionalism, respect. I mean, this guy knows how to be serious to agents. He knows how to run a business. But at the end of the day, he also knows how to just kind of kick back and have a, have a, have a Coca-Cola and just kind of talk about your kids' sports and what's going on in the world and real-life current events. This guy's really down to earth, so I think you're going to like him. Um, so please enjoy this podcast. Now, just to kind of set you up where we're going, um, you're going to be seeing some podcasts coming up because this is we're going to our next series is going to be the birthday month. We are March 5th is going to be the one year birthday of Agents Influence uh, podcast, taking your voice and delivering it to the world. And so we're going to kind of do something special. I'm going to kind of set it up next. Uh, you're going to be getting a podcast here in about two or three days. It's just going to be me kind of setting up what we're going to do. And then we're going to release three more podcasts this month that are going to be the best. And when I say the best, I'm saying the best. And you'll see why whenever I tell you about them. And then we are going to hopefully, if everything goes right, we're going to be starting off with a brand new look feel and everything come March or right around there, trying to celebrate the birthday by becoming, uh, getting a little older, trying to become a little more organized, a little more professional, making sure that we're taking your voice and we're utilizing it in an efficient, timely, um, and resourceful manner. So once again, thanks a million for all of you guys listening. Um, I would say, I don't know the statistics exactly because I can only do so much tracking, but right now we probably have about 1,100 loyal listeners. Um, And when I say that is, is that some months we're getting less listens than that some months we're getting more listens than that so that is it's fantastic that we've really grown to that it's it's really really awesome we're taking people's voices and we're spreading them also be sure to find us on itunes you can find us on itunes and we always always ask for if you have a little bit of time to write us a review you can find us on itunes if you're with apple if you have droid or any other type of smartphone and also an apple phone you can download stitcher stitcher is a um site that you just not for agents influence you should be on there listening to a lot of uh, podcasts, 
a lot of industry news and stuff is found right there on Stitcher. So inside of the email or back on the website, you can find links directly to these so that you can connect with us there. And so while you're swimming, jogging, running, working out, shopping, whatever it may be, riding in the car, you can listen to this and get the best information so that you can hear other people's voices to go into your brain to make the change that needs to be happening in your agency, which by one agency at a time, we're going to make change in this industry the greatest industry God ever created. So this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence, the last of the Bigwig series, and we are out! Hey, this is Jason Cass with AgentsInfluence.com, and we're still in the month of Bigwig Month, okay? Because we noticed, you know, some I used to say CEO President's Month. Today we actually really have a president of a company on. And so I would like to introduce uh, the president of Encompass. Um, his name is Tom, and he um, I met Tom back in D.C. last year, and when I reached out to him to uh, come onto this, um, to this, what was going to be a podcast, but as a video cast, um, he was very anxious to do it. And I, and I wanted him on because everybody that we brought on this month, if you've been listening to all the podcasts, kind of brings something different to the table. And... Um, Tom, in, with his enthusiasm and the way he looks at insurance and the way that he looks at how, his, how he's positioning his company, I think he's built, I feel is unique. So I've taken some of the questions that uh, you sent in as listeners, and we're going to ask him constantly. Tom, um, welcome to the video cast, and uh, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, and uh, give us a little background of yourself and what you're doing now. Sure. i got to tell you, I wanted to be on the program just because I wanted to be considered a bigwig. Uh, so, uh, it's a thrill, Jason, to be on your, uh, first video cast. Uh, actually, uh, I have much more in common, uh, with your listeners and viewers, uh, than I do with, uh, an insurance company executive. I was an independent, uh, insurance agency and brokerage executive for over 20 years. And so I have a keen appreciation, uh, for what it is like for independent agents to, uh, to succeed and to thrive. And I've brought that customer focus to uh, Encompass, uh, which is the best insurance brand that not enough people know about. But uh, my mission is to change that. Uh, so I've spent most of my professional life in insurance, but this is my first uh, gig uh, running a personalized insurance company. Uh, and it's been an absolute blast. Uh, I learn a lot every day uh, from the people around me. Uh, I'm surrounded by smart people. And uh, that, to me, is the secret to success in life. Surround yourself with people smarter than you. Uh, fortunately for me, it's not that hard. I think it was Jim Rohn, Tom, that said, uh, I want to say it's Jim Rohn, so listeners don't hold it to me, but I think he said, never hang out with someone who has a smaller W-2 than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about W-2, but IQ is something I can tell you that the people around me have more more than I do. Yeah, so I agree. It's got the same mentality of surrounding yourself with good people. That's right. That was interesting when you said that. So it, it poses true because of you. So Encompass, tell us uh, this is this is your chance. I mean, we may not want to, we may know in Illinois, obviously, where you guys are headquartered. Um, we know of Encompass, but agents all across America. And we actually have an we actually have an agent that listens in Dubai. For real, he listens in Dubai. So I don't know where they're hearing this at. Tell tell them a little bit about Encompass. Uh, Encompass uh, is a uh, personalized insurer. That's all we do. Uh, we serve a target consumer we would call the mass affluent, uh, so someone who has a high-value home, 
at least a couple of nice cars, a lifestyle they want to protect, uh, so they've purchased higher liability limits. Uh, we've got a very coverage-rich uh, policy that covers the entire household. It's a single policy on an annual basis with very attentive policy and claim service. So we are a fantastic insurer for discerning agencies and consumers. We're not for everybody. Um, but for those 30 million mass affluent households in the U.S., we don't uh, go to Dubai. Uh, but for the 30 million mass affluent households in the U.S., Encompass is a, a terrific answer. And the best part about it is you can only get to us through uh, a advisor, uh, through an independent insurance agent. So the consumer is getting the best advice they can possibly get. Absolutely. You're right about that. We love pro-independent insurance companies. So um, love them, love them, love them. So um, you know, we, I think we're going to probably this, this conversation will obviously evolve as we go through it and stuff like that. But I want to just start out by uh, my listeners listening to the Big Wig Month and know already the question I'm going to ask them and the, the main question and what's going to be the deciding factor, Tom, whether they like you or not, is do you have an iPhone or a Droid? I have an iPhone. <clears throat> oh, lost another one. Gosh, okay. I'm a big <laughs> Droid guy. I have to say there's not been one big wig yet that has a droid. They all have the iPhone. So uh, maybe I'm the one that's in the wrong. No, place. you're a contrarian, Jason, and that's a good place to be. A contrarian, I like that. I'm going to make sure. Okay. Um, and let me ask you this. On that iPhone, what's the uh, last app that you downloaded? It's called iExit. Uh, I take long driving trips. Uh, sometimes it's my commute. To the office. I live in the city of Chicago. I commute to Northbrook, Illinois, so that can sometimes be a journey. Uh, but it's mostly for the long driving trips my wife and I love, and it tells me where the nearest Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, gas station, those places that I desperately need uh, to know where they are. It tells you when I'm uh, when I'm on the road. So when you open up the app, I don't want to endorse the app or go too far, but when you go to the app, it tells you by GPS and will tell you what's at the next exit. Correct, and you can uh, identify which types of services you're interested in and screen away all those that you're not interested in so uh, you can limit the types of establishments that you're going to see on that app. Okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And the, the, apps that, the apps they just have out there are unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. We'll start right into the questions um, that that uh, that we had picked. And as listeners, as you know, we we submitted him with nine, uh, ten questions. He can he didn't really want to dodge any of them. Actually, Tom wanted to go through all of them. But I said, Tom, Tom, you're you're, you're president of a major insurance company. We got to keep this to twenty minutes. So, anyways, he chose three. And one of the things that we'll just start with is is your first one you chose, which is. What do you see the future small and medium-sized agency looking like in the ways of technology and doing business? Go ahead and tell uh, me what about that. Yeah, great question. Um, the reason I like this question is uh, I receive it a lot. And while there is an inexorable march uh, in the insurance industry, both on the carrier side and the distribution side towards consolidation, I am very confident there will always be room uh, for small and medium-sized uh, independent insurance agencies. And the reason I believe that is because uh, people uh, of means, especially as they go through their life, uh, insurance is a very complex decision, certainly over time. When you're young, it may not seem that complex. You've got an apartment. You might have a car. Um, but from a personal insurance perspective, at least, and even more so, frankly, for commercial insurance, 
um, over time, that uh, becomes a more complicated and a more complex decision, and people are always going to want advisors. Um, yes, uh, the channel is being eroded by uh, the direct carriers, uh, but the personal insurance marketplace, as it respects independent agencies, I believe will remain about a third of the marketplace, but certainly for the types of consumers that we serve, uh, the mass affluent, uh, they over-index on the use of an independent agent. So I think there's always going to be room for small and medium-sized agencies, but they do, I believe, have to change uh, as customer uh, tastes uh, evolve, as competitors evolve. And what I mean by that, Jason, is I think the small and medium-sized agencies that will succeed over time are those that focus on expertise, that they become a specialist in one or more areas, perhaps specialized by product line, specialized by type of customer served, specialized by geography. Uh, there are all sorts of ways, of course, to specialize, but I think uh, people, both individuals and businesses, want to do business with someone who is an expert in what they need, the solutions they need. And so I think the agencies that do well over time, the small and the medium-sized ones, to survive uh, and to thrive, they will have to increasingly specialize. Now, you asked about the use of technology. To me, technology is both a top-line uh, enabler and a bottom-line enabler. So from a top-line perspective, clearly uh, your digital presence, how you engage with social media, um, that can be a top-line discussion. Uh, from a bottom-line discussion, of course, uh, and most agencies have, have done this over time, you adapt uh, your business processes to the technologies that can help you be much more efficient. And so that's why I think technology will increasingly be important. But it's not just how to make your agency more efficient. It's how can you actually use technology uh, to grow your top line. And I think that's frankly where a lot of small and medium-sized agencies struggle uh, is that they're not adept yet at using the digital tools that are available uh, to ensnare, to serve, and to retain uh, the kind of customers that over time are what I would call high lifetime value customers. Uh, you've got to be able to use technology to, uh, to attract those types of consumers over time. You know, Tom, I absolutely love that. And the thing that I love about that is, is that you bring it into perception of how I can see it because whenever I'm very socially and digital and I, and I like to, I travel around America and I tell agents about how to use it. So I'm successful in using it in my agency. And I think I always hear from the, the, um, the agency owners out there is, what's my ROI? Or basically, what's the bottom line? How much money this is going to bring to me? But you separate it perfectly. I'm even going to, I'm telling you, Tom, right now, I'm going to steal this. This is good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the bottom line, and but then the top line, I mean, what you're talking about, just being social, connecting with them, starting the conversation, re forming the relationship. That's what you're meaning by top line, right? Correct. That and and, and to further that, Jason, uh, what we've learned, and we've done a lot of consumer research, and again, I hate to keep coming back to this mass affluent marketplace, but that's the marketplace uh, that we're strategically keen on. Uh, what we've learned is that while um, they may use an independent agent or an exclusive agent, so let's say agencies in general, a lot of people will eventually buy through an agent, but even those that buy through an agent, they go to learn on the web. Almost everybody starts there. Whether or not they end up purchasing directly through a web-enabled uh, provider, 
they start their journey on the web. And so they are doing their homework, they're learning, they're doing research. And so if you don't show up there, uh, they're not going to learn about you. Uh, and even when they find you, if they find you to have a awkward digital presence or a non-existent digital presence, they're going to impute to you some qualities that may say, hey, I don't want to do business with this agency because they're just not savvy, they're not modern, uh, they're not for me. Uh, and so that's why I think it's a top-line play as well as, you know, as you look at the plumbing and the wiring of agencies, if you're not using technology uh, to keep your costs low or reduce your costs, uh, you're going to be in trouble there too because, let's face it, um, with uh, the saturation bombing campaign, of advertising for most of the carriers that spend a lot on advertising, they're focused on one thing only, and that's price. And so people are being conditioned to buy based on price. So if you don't have a shot at being the low-cost provider, and most independent agencies don't have a shot, the small and the medium-sized ones, at being a low-cost provider, then you better focus on specialization where you can have some differentiation uh, and therefore you can have people purchase based on other drivers other than just price. Um, but if it's a price play, uh, I think that's where small and medium-sized agencies will eventually lose out because they just will never have the scale to be a low-cost provider. And, and, and Tom, I, I need to speak to the listeners for a minute because if you've been listening to the podcast, which I know you guys have because the numbers have been huge this month, he talked about specialists. Tom, of the other four that I've had, three, now you being the fourth, have said that to the future, to an agency to be truly successful in the future, they've got to be specializing in something. And, I mean, when you said it, I'm like, holy cow, I mean, it's like Groundhog's Day around here. I mean, he's still, you said the same exact thing about being a specialist. Well, just, it's, uh, you know, it's because it's, uh, I think, a fairly accepted notion, and I'll bet your listeners know that already. It's mm -hmm. having the courage to do it, to actually say, I'm not going to deal with that type of customer. And it's counterintuitive. Uh, it's scary not to take all comers. Um, but actually, it works just the opposite. The more clear you are about a focus and a differentiation, um, actually, the more your top line will grow over time, uh, and as importantly, the more profitable you will be. Um, but clearly over time, the agencies that succeed will skew towards specialization. And yes, they'll increasingly get larger over time. Um, but if there's one thing that I've discovered in the industry, uh, that there's always room for startups. Uh, it's still a uh, very much a uh, business where uh, you can start from scratch and succeed if you've got a strategy, you've got a passion, you've got a business model that can offer something of difference. You can succeed in this business, but over time, right. over time, it gets increasingly difficult, and that's why I do think there's this inexorable march towards not only specialization, but yes, increasing consolidation uh, in the industry. And for and a side note, also for the young agent, Tom, as well, because we get we try to get over the you know we don't know enough. I've only been in the business three years. You don't know anything. I got into railroad contractors when I was brand new in the industry, and it's a long story and how I got into it, but. It was amazing because I felt very confident by my first or second year going in and speaking to somebody that, hey, no one knows as much as I do about railroad insurance. I don't care if the guy's been in the business 30 years. No one knows as much as I do about it. So I think that's, that's another thing to help the young agent. You yeah, uh, 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 
Completely agree, Jason. If you have intellectual curiosity uh, and a work ethic, uh, I actually don't think you need a lot more than that because you will become smarter than people and you'll work harder than people. And uh, smart people who work hard, in my experience, always succeed. Uh, yes. So, yeah. I, I uh, And frankly, I do think that uh, a lot of, uh, and I would put myself in this category, I'm in the more seasoned category uh, these days of, of insurance professionals. Um, you know, I think a lot of more seasoned insurance professionals struggle uh, with adapting to much less embracing uh, newer ideas. And so... Uh, Younger agents, I think, do have an advantage uh, because, you know, frankly, you're just going to take more risks and you're going to be more open to doing things in a very different way than they've ever been done before. Interesting. I like that. I like that. I like that. Then we'll go to the move on to the second question because if you had so much to give in that first question, I can't wait for the other two. Um, <laughs> no, no, Tom, no pressure. No pressure. Um, so here we go. We have, is your company pro-social marketing and digital media? Kind of going back to that a little bit. And what are you doing to help agents use, the, uh, use these tools more effectively? Yeah, I would say, first of all, the, the, the threshold uh, answer is absolutely. Um, because, again, uh, any company that doesn't embrace uh, social media and digital marketing uh, will eventually uh, become irrelevant because over time, that is clearly uh, where consumers are going to increasingly show up. And again, I don't want to mislead people. I don't mean that that's where they may necessarily buy. They may not do everything online, um, but your social presence is vital. When I talk to agencies and I ask them about how they grow their top line, how they uh, generate leads, how they close new business, uh, almost all say, I do it through referrals, uh, which is terrific, and that is the most powerful way to build your business. But at the same time, I hear many of them say, that's why I don't use social media, or that's why I stay away from digital concepts, because it's still very much a person-to-person -person business. And what I highlight for that person who says that is, there's nothing more powerful than social media in terms of generating referrals. Most agencies have to have word of mouth person to person. But think of digital media, social media, where essentially you've got word of mouth now on a mass scale. So if you want to build your business by word of mouth, there is no better way than social media because that's what it is. It's yeah. a way for people to talk to each other uh, in cyberspace. So forget the person-to-person -person referral. It's tap into the power of referrals through social media because you're dealing with referrals in a mass way. And so I'm not suggesting we have all the answers that encompass, but one of the things we're doing is we are helping our agency partners. We actually will provide a service for free to our agencies where they will, we will handle their distribution feeds to all the search engines. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that they've got a strong digital footprint, a vibrant one, and one that continues to expand. So we think that it's very important, again, given that consumers tend to go to the web to do their homework, to do their research, if they don't know how to get to you or can't get to you uh, through the web, um, 
guess what? They're not going to find you, and you're going to be cutting off a, a big source of potential leads and potential customers. So we do think that social media and digital marketing are incredibly important. What we also do, uh, we've done some things to become uh, much more mobile optimized. I will tell you that our site is still under construction, and our digital presence uh, and use of social media is still developing. It's nowhere near where I want it to be, Jason, um, but it's something we're investing heavily in. Um, okay. I will tell you that our best thing is getting consumers who come to Encompass.com, EncompassInsurance.com, we identify agents for them. And so it's a way for consumers to get through us to the agent that they want to help them. And so that's another way that we're helping agencies. But even ourselves, we're still um, really at the beginning of this journey. But it's not something that you can say, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it at some point. If you don't get into it and get into it now, it will pass you by. Absolutely. Uh, so, we, we, so we are very much pro-digital uh, marketing and, and social media. But I also respect the fact that uh, the way to use it, to garner it, to harness it, it's not always obvious, and there's no one answer. Uh, I think everyone is sort of figuring out, you know, what are the ways, how, what are the pathways that customers get to us, and how can we use this to build our business? No one's got the answers to that yet. But, but the well, people who are know, trying... I, I, are, yeah, are having some success. There's a bunch of pioneers out there, I guess you could say. I mean, I've I've coined the term a social sooner, kind of like how the land the, the land rush was for the Oklahoma Sooners. Those people got in, and the people who got there first got the best land. They named the cities, named named the counties, and if you look back, some of the main social sooners actually were some of the first governors of the of the area, just not Oklahoma. So they were the people that got there first, and they got the best of everything. And I feel that's very um, very similar. One thing I want to say, um, Tom, and I want to let the listeners also know, and you feel free to see this as well, um, growprogram.com is actually the parent owning co owner company of Agents Influence. Okay, Agents Influence is a free service to all agents. And it's owned by Grow Program. We have a blog in there. On that blog, I wrote a blog about, I think it was two weeks ago. Amazing story, Tom. This happened on November 8th of this year. Um, I was sitting down, and I had just gotten back, and I was looking at my Facebook, and I had a notification, and it said that this lady had had, um, had tagged me, okay? And when she had tagged me, so I click on it, it takes me to this conversation. I actually took a screenshot of the Facebook um, post, and it is in the blog. And what it said is, is, is there was somebody put on there, I'm looking for someone to help me with my auto and home insurance and maybe even my life insurance as well. Can anybody recommend me? And about the third one down, there was a lady. Her name was Stacy, and she's actually um, someone that I know. She put in there, call Jason Cass. Well, he, and then everybody else just started going underneath it as well. Okay, boom, 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 boom. Here's the amazing thing. Of the, I don't know, of the 13 or 14 people on there that commented, there was five agents that got recommended. One agent got recommended once, two, oh, another agent got recommended two times, three times, four times. The fifth agent, which was me, I was recommended 18 times, 18 times. Out of those 13 people, people had named me and liked the post. Different people had liked the post saying that this is the guy to get. So of those four, five agents, they all got the most. The second place got recommended four times. I got recommended 18 times. So I think that's what you're talking about with the listeners when you're saying it's a way that you, it's, it's building relationships and getting your name out there on a mass scale. Correct. To where no, there's no better example than the one you just cited, Jason. Yeah. That's it. And I, 
Yeah, please go to growprogram.com if you're a listener and read the blog. I think it's called The Power of Facebook Marketing because I hear all these people saying what Tom is saying, oh, I'm not going to do this or, oh, I work on referrals and stuff like that, and, it, and it's ridiculous because I, guess what, by the way, I got that business and I also write the life insurance and the auto and all, okay? I didn't put it with Encompass because I don't write with Encompass, Tom, so, so you know, you got to be easy on it. <laughs> So maybe we can fix that down the road. There's still time. There's still time, Jason. There's still I, I'm, time. I'm still young, Tom. I'm still young. Okay. That's right. So uh, I guess, I and mean, I'm 35. I mean, at what point in time, Tom, you just can I not call myself young anymore? You know what I mean? There comes that point in time. Uh, don't I guess, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm you're the wrong still young. Person to ask. Aren't you still I'm, young? I'm, I'm 54, and I'm still uh, young. Still very, very young. Perfect answer. So I got a while to go. That's, you got that's a ways awesome. to go, my friend. <laughs> Last question, Tom, because we do appreciate your time, and I want to respect it. If you were an agent, what would you do in 2014 to knock it out of the ballpark? Uh, it's going to seem like a uh, maybe a too simple answer, uh, okay. or maybe maybe an answer uh, that would not uh, even uh, hit. Uh, hit the screen, um, but I would actually align the incentives of every single person in my agency with profitable growth. Now, many listeners out there are probably saying, duh, I do that now, but I would challenge your listeners that even those who think they are have probably not sold out to that concept, and here's what I mean. Okay. I find that a lot of, and, and I'm going to relate this to personal lines. I know a lot of your listeners are big commercial lines carriers. Frankly, almost all of my background, ironically, is commercial insurance. It's not personal insurance. Um, but I'm going to think about this from a personal lines perspective. Most customer service representatives in an agency are not compensated based upon profitable growth. Uh, they may not have any incentives at all. In fact, in most agencies, CSRs are not bonus eligible. They don't receive incentive compensation. But I see a lot of CSRs transacting business in a way that does not serve the owner's purpose. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of requoting behavior at the CSR desk level, which does two things, neither of them good from an agency owner's perspective. One, it generally reduces the agency's revenue because most often when you are requoting, you are trying to find a lower price than the incumbent. And of course, if you're commission driven, which most of the certainly the small and medium sized agencies are, you have just reduced your revenue. So you've, you've shrunk your top line. At the same time, this is the double whammy, you have increased your expenses because clearly there's labor content in requoting behavior. And so a lot of times a CSR, with good intentions, uh, is interpreting that their job is to keep the customers by finding the ever lowest price. And what that does is it reduces the top line and shrinks the profit margin at the same time. And so if I were an agency owner and I wanted to knock the cover off the ball, I would have everybody in my agency 
getting a piece of the action. And that means being paid for profits and growth. And I've seen it before, Jason, and when it, it's done, uh, when there's real harmony from an incentive perspective throughout the top to the bottom, uh, it's an amazing thing. People will make the right economic decisions and the value of the agency will increase, the pie will get bigger, and again, I talk to a lot of agency owners, and they say, hey, that's my money. That's house money. That's my profit. But it really takes somebody who's a bit more enlightened, frankly, that says, hey, I'd rather have a bigger pie than just a bigger piece or all of the pie. Uh, and so if I were to knock the cover off the ball, I'd make sure that I had a, an agency where every single person is paid on the same basis. Okay, okay. And, you know, I had a, um, uh, 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 his name is John Fear, and he was on the podcast in May, and he, he said something very similar. He called it behavior modification, modifying the behavior of the CSRs to what, and aligning them with the goals of the agency, which was paying your, your, your you know, if you want new business, well, pay your people for new business, higher commissions. And he means the CSRs, not so much, he's not talking about producers. And so. But I'd pay the, but I'd pay everybody on profit because you can't just think of it from the top line. you got to think of it from the bottom line. There's a lot of things that happen inside agencies that militate against profitability. Again, all everyone with good intentions, but if it's just a top, I'm not talking about top line incentive. I frankly okay. focus on profitability okay. as an incentive for everybody because it's amazing the behaviors. I, I wouldn't even call it behavior modification. That seems like a manipulation. I just mean align it with human nature which is the more information people have and the more they are actually treated and compensated like owners, the more they're going to act like an owner. Uh, and I just see a lot of agencies not uh, thinking like that. Um, and while it may seem like that maximizes the, uh, you know, sort of the wealth of the agency owner, it actually doesn't. Okay. Interesting, interesting. That is a different way to look at that, actually. I think there are a lot of agents that initially would have thought to themselves, you know, like, duh. But then when you're actually trying to describe it that way, I like how you talk about requoting. Let me just take it a little step further then. I mean, what do you say if you've got a, you know, one of the things they even teach us in sales classes is, is you know, every year go back through the people that you quoted last year and, you know, get them back out and quote them and give them a call. You know, that's what they teach you. I mean, are you kind of saying that that is not a good thing that you're recommending because you think that it's hurting the profitability of the agency? Uh, no. I Listen, I think it is a good practice to go back and try to win back over clients that you've lost. But if you're going back on this one-note basis and saying, I can get you a better price, gotcha. I, I would never do that. Gotcha. You're talking about got you. Okay, okay, hold on. Let me I'm change. I'm talking about there's a lot of behavior inside agencies that is requoting behavior to protect the agency's book from carrier rate impacts. And so a lot of agencies are imputing that their customers will leave if the price goes up. And I will tell you, at least as it respects the consumers that we target, the mass affluent. Uh, who are really not that price sensitive 
everyone at a point is price sensitive, but right. most consumers want a good deal, which means they want value. But agencies that focus only on price are not talking about value. And when you live by that sword, you will die by that sword. And again, especially for small and medium-sized agencies, they will never be the low-cost provider. So it is a fool's errand to sell and serve based on price because someone, whether it's a direct, whether it's a captive agency model, they will always be able to undercut you because they have much more scale than you do. And so being the low-cost provider is not something a small or medium-sized agency can ever attain. So to sell based on price, again, works against their self-interest. Right. Uh, but again, it takes courage to say, yeah. I'm only going to work with a certain type of consumer because most agencies feel they got to take all comers to survive. And I think counterintuitively, you don't. In fact, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. Wow, wow. You hit there for a minute on um, on uh, two other things I want to bring up with you um, on the the market that we're in right now. Is this you know it's it's I have to say I don't think the market is as bad today, and I don't want to say bad, but is uh, in flux as it was maybe a year or two ago. We actually don't look at what others are doing, and we obviously get market intelligence. So I don't need to talk to carrier executives to know what's happening. Uh, we're very in tune with uh, with our agencies. Therefore, we're very in tune with what the competition is doing. So we do know what our competitors are doing, not necessarily at a granulated level, but we know what they're doing. And, and frankly, um, we're focused, as I'm suggesting agencies do, on having a value proposition that, while it never uh, inoculates you from price shopping, um, I, I think consumers, again, uh, we focus on price as the difference between carriers, um, and we're conditioning the consumers to buy that way as a result. But most consumers actually don't want to buy on price, especially when you're facing a complex decision. You know, auto may be not as, um, as important um, as their house, um, but you can even differentiate coverages for an automobile, but certainly for homeowner's insurance, people aren't looking for the lowest price. They want to know that when something bad happens, they've got the protection they need. So right. while I'm, I'm sensitive to competitor pricing behavior, um, I'm actually more concerned with having a value proposition that is independent of price. They're related because value obviously is inextricably linked with price, but value has to be more of the emphasis than price. So I don't really get too caught up with competitor pricing moves and our rates going up or down, um, that can help or hurt us, but that's incidental to me. Um, and like I so, said, if you're, if you're going on value and not price, it, it alleviates the fact of an influx that you would see in a price or a rate or something like that. It goes back to value is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. But in terms of, you know, will, uh, will the market remain firm for personal insurance? Uh, yes, but I think the companies that succeed and the agencies who succeed build a business model that succeeds no matter what the market conditions are. So let's face it, most markets, uh, you know, hard markets are like unicorns. Uh, Certainly from a commercial perspective, uh, yes, there's been some firming in personal lines, but, you know, it's one of the more competitive markets, meaning insurance is one of the most 
perfectly competitive markets you'll ever find. So there's always somebody who's willing uh, to do something dumb. Uh, so I don't really get caught up with hard market, soft market, and I don't think agencies should either. Uh, if you're based on expertise, specialization, delivering value, uh, having differentiation, real differentiation, uh, you're less concerned with what happens in the marketplace at large. And, you know, and how I know that's true is not only because, I mean, you obviously live it and see it every day, but if 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 we live in a world that firms and softs and firms and softs, the agencies, there's agencies that have been around for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, those are probably the ones that also built their agency on value to be able to go through those those firms and hards. Because, you know, there are a lot of agencies that don't make it, and I guess there may right. be made, Maybe some interior things, but probably on the inside, it's based on who's basing it on value and basing it on price, I guess. So, so yeah, I, I do, I, I do know what you say, and it's just it's really really hard, to, I think, for other agents to understand that value proposition of understanding the value. I, I think I think they really they really do. Well, it, and, it, it it takes it takes courage because at first it is a hard model. Uh, especially when you're just trying to make it. When you're trying to build your business, uh, it's easy to um, succumb to nerves and say, hey, man, I, I just need to, I need to get some cash flow, so I I'm going to take whoever comes, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to serve them. Um, I, I just think over time, uh, it's... Uh, it sows the seeds of its own demise as a business model if you if you take that approach. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, Tom, you've there's got good stuff. I mean, I got a whole page note of notes over here. So uh, it's uh, this is going to be really good for the listeners, and I really appreciate you coming on. I'll wrap it up with a question that I like to that I like to end up with, and that is, um, I it's, this is a silly question to ask you, but are you a reader? <laughs> I mean, Why is that a silly I, question? Some people don't read. No, uh, but, yes, I'm a, yes, I'm a reader. Uh, the, the listeners have heard me say this before, but they say that uh, I think it's – I don't know the exact statistic. Once again, it goes back to Jim Rohn. He said that the average CEO reads uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 books somewhere in there a year as opposed to the average person reads zero to like two books a year. And so whether that makes one better or not, it just has to do with this type of person is usually a reader. You know what I mean? And uh, I, must, I must be a below-average CEO, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my self-esteem just took a real hit. Uh, I, pro <laughs> I probably read uh, 10, to, 10 to 12 books a year, but what I read a lot is, uh, is newspapers. Uh, so I'm a really? voracious, voracious reader of, of newspapers, but I do read – probably 10 to 15 books uh, a year, so I'm a bit below average in that regard. Interesting, though. You read uh, newspapers, and when you say that, we're talking about the digital form, or do you still like that paper in your hand? Uh, it's, I'm a uh, planes, trains, and automobiles guy. I'm a multimodal guy, uh, so I will read. Uh, I'll read on my iPhone. Uh, I'll read on a computer. Uh, I'll read the, you know, the, the actual uh, newsprint. Uh, so I'll take it any way I can get it. Depends on if I'm if I'm on a plane, if I'm at home, uh, if I'm in uh, different parts of uh, different parts of my life. I'll use different media, but uh, I like to read. 
Good answer. Uh, what's the last book that you're – what's the current book you're reading or the last book that you read? Uh, the current book that I'm reading is called Death of a President, uh, and it is the authorized account uh, of the uh, the days leading up to and the days after the assassination of uh, President John F. Kennedy. Uh, it's uh, obviously a book that's been around a long time. I've never read it, but clearly with the 50th uh, anniversary of the assassination of JFK, uh, we all, I think, were highly attuned to that time and that period, and it was a very formative period uh, for me. Uh, I was a, a young boy at that time, but uh, there were some things that happened around that time that uh, you know forever left an imprint on me. And so, at any rate, I, I just uh, thought it's high time that I read this authorized account. Plus, it's a fascinating story in its own right. Uh, the Kennedy family, uh, Bobby uh, and Jackie in particular, uh, gave the green light to William Manchester, who wrote this book, but when they saw the first manuscript, um, there was a, uh, a big tussle, uh, and they actually tried to suppress the book. Eventually, it got published, but the author uh, had to uh, change uh, massive uh, parts of the book, even though it was an authorized version, and uh, he was forever uh, changed by that experience. So it's just the story of the book itself is fascinating, but obviously for, for many of us, it's a you know uh, both a tragic as well as a fascinating period of time in, in the company, country's history. Wow, interesting. That that does sound interesting. You're right, there's an interesting story about the book. So someone could write a book about the book, about the, the assassination. I mean, yeah. yeah. I guess, I mean, you and I would go in together, you read it, and I can write it down, we can make some money at a time, we could, we, could, we could throw it down right now. So, I, 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 I'm, I'm sticking with the gig I got, Jason. It's, it's, been, it's been good to me. Yeah, it has been. Hey, I appreciate your time. I really do appreciate your time. Is there anything you want to say as we close up? No, Jason, I just want to thank your listeners and viewers. Uh, and uh, if you have any feedback uh, for me personally, uh, let Jason know, and uh, we'd love to engage in a conversation on uh, anything we talked about today. But, Jason, thanks for having me on your program. It was really, uh, really a pleasure for me. No, thank you, and I appreciate that. And that's a that's a, a great offer. So, I mean, if you do have something, send it to me at Jason at GrowProgram.com or Jason at AgentsInfluence.com, and uh, and I will send it up to Tom, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, we do want to thank Tom for coming with Encompass Insurance, and uh, just be sure to check out GrowProgram.com. Also, check out the blog that I talked about, where it was the power of Facebook marketing, where you can see the exact example that I was talking about. And it, which uh, goes right to what Tom was talking about, about having a social and a digital presence. And I love the top-line, bottom-line enabler. I really, really like that. So once again, thanks for your time. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Thanks.